Welcome to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast, the podcast for special educators who are looking for personal and professional development. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Reeve. For more than 20 years, I've worn lots of hats in special education, but my real love is helping special educators like you. This podcast will give you tips and ways to implement research-based practices in a practical way in your classroom to make your job easier and more effective. Welcome back to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast. I am Chris Reeve, and I'm your host, and we are continuing in our series on designing classrooms in special education. And today, I'm going to focus on the first step that we're going to take, and it is called the Teaching Implementation Plan. I developed the tip, which I've sometimes named the teaching plan. I've sometimes named it the teaching intervention plan. I finally settled on the teaching implementation plan because I think that describes it best. I I developed it when I was doing regular child study or team meetings with staff in a program that I was running. And the staff that I was meeting with were struggling to be able to talk about how they were teaching the students' goals. Now, they were newer teachers and they had limited experience. They were great with the students, but nobody really had taught them how to talk about what they did or plan it out in terms of intervention strategies. And so I needed a tool to help them plan and organize what they were teaching, how they were teaching it, and how they were going to track the progress. And so I developed the tip to help them. So in thinking about the tip, imagine knowing as you start your classroom setup process, what every student's needs are and how you plan to implement what you need to do for those needs in the classroom. What if you had a document that you could hand to paraprofessionals that would not only make sure they know the IEP goals, which is required, but that they would know where and how they're going to teach them and take the data? And what if you had a document that helped you plan out distance learning in the fall of 2020 when I'm recording this, as well as classroom learning, and communicate that plan to families? Well, the teaching implementation plan can help you with all of those, and they can help get your classroom foundation off to a solid start. So let's get started. What is the teaching implementation plan? I've often described the tip as what every experienced educator has in their head put down on paper. It's essentially a plan for how you're going to implement the IEP. And you can use it to include IEP goals as well as curriculum goals. I usually just focus on the IEPs and that's what I'm going to focus on in today's episode. In a nutshell, The tip outlines where and when the skill needs to be taught, how it's going to be taught, and how you're going to track the data. It's kind of like an intervention plan for a student that's used to drive classroom development. Yellen Bates in 2020 described the IEP as a blueprint to FAPE. I like to think of the tip as the shop drawings that are used to implement that blueprint. 
You can see an example of a teaching implementation plan on the blog post that goes with this episode, which you'll find at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 42. So why do we start the classroom setup with the teaching implementation plan? The primary reason for starting it is precisely because it is a plan. Special education classrooms will not look the same from year to year. And I talked about that in episode 41. Because we designed the classroom specifically around the needs of the students, it's always going to look different when we have different students. This is true whether you're designing a resource room, whether you're designing a self-contained room, or really even if you're designing a general education classroom. It's just much more evident in the self-contained settings because the needs of our students are so diverse. So the first step in designing your classroom is always going to be knowing the needs of your students so that you can meet them. And the IEP is the document that leads us to that, followed by our curriculum. Once I have the tip completed, I really know the needs of each student. I've planned out what kinds of activities are needed for the student to learn his IEP goals. Plus, I've thought about how I'm going to teach the skill, and I know what type of data I'm going to need. Those are all the critical elements in the classroom design process. Sometimes we might have a classroom of students who all need group activities to work on learning effectively in group settings. Maybe typically your classroom has students who go in and out frequently to general education classrooms. But this year, most of your students really need significant explicit instruction in basic skills in small groups of one or two. Those three classrooms are going to look very different from schedule to physical layout to staffing. And the tip can help you learn who your students are, what their needs are, and help you plan out a program for them. Let me talk for just a minute about how the tip can help us specifically at the time that I'm recording this in the summer of 2020. Um, In the fall of 2020, we are still uncertain on July 18th what school is going to look like in most places. Some have already settled on distance learning. Some have already settled on a range of options from brick and mortar to blended to distance. Some of us are still waiting for school districts. Some school districts have pushed their start dates back to be able to have more opportunities to make decisions based on the prevalence of the coronavirus in their community. Are we going to be in the physical classroom at all? Will we be online all year? Will we be in the online part of the year? What about students who go through blended learning where sometimes they're in the classroom and sometimes they're at home? And I suspect that for every one of you, it's going to be different. And it may not be the same throughout the year. We may switch partway through. I know many districts have already put in place plans to think about what they're going to do next in November, for instance, for the next semester. Given all of that uncertainty, planning is going to be that much more important. And I think it's going to be really important, particularly if we're doing any kind of distance learning, because I think that we're coming off of a situation that was rushed 
It was amazing what teachers were able to do, but there was no time to plan for most of you. And I think if we're going to push forward with distance learning, we really are going to have to have a plan and show that we can implement the IEP across the settings that the student will be in. Now, you may say planning. How can I plan when I don't know the plan? Uh, If you develop the tip from the student's IEP, you'll be able to plan out what can be done at home and how that might get done, what tools you're going to use for different kinds of instruction, how it's going to give you the opportunity to think through what supports families may need during the year to be able to facilitate those skills at home. And it will help to assure that whether you're providing in-class learning, blended learning, or distance learning, that you've planned for every element of the IEP in those settings. And that if you find a goal that cannot be implemented in the current situation, you've brought that to the attention to determine if you need to change the IEP or how your district is handling that. And you will have thought about it before you get to the progress report. And your classroom, your distance learning, All of that needs to be planned to make sure it's supporting the IEP. So let me just briefly go over the elements of a teaching implementation plan. The first starts with the goals and objectives of the IEP, and that's pretty straightforward. You want to make sure those are clear, they're well-defined, you know what the mastery criteria is. Next, the biggest thing I think that you get, one of the biggest things, is looking at your primary activity. The primary activity is the activity on your schedule or the type of activity that you would have on your schedule, direct instruction, large group instruction, morning meeting, art class, that provide the most opportunities for the student to practice their skills. It's because, let's face it, most of our students are not one trial learners. That's why they're in special ed. They need repetition. And the primary teaching activity is where we can actually know that we will fit those opportunities in, as well as the area that we're going to take our data in. So in a classroom, that might be, I'm going to teach this during morning meeting. In a home, it might be, we're going to do it in our online sessions, or he's going to do this with mom when she is playing a game with him. So it's it's looking at the setting he's going to be in and figuring out what that's going to look like. Our incidental and generalization activities are those same things off the schedule, those same activities, but they're the times where he's going to use the skill, but maybe not have enough time to practice it multiple times. So maybe those are things like saying good morning to people, well, or greeting people. That's something that he can do at any point during the day, but you're going to pick one time where you're really going to concentrate your instruction. We're definitely instructing it so that it generalizes and it gets built into those natural settings, but we're not tracking it at that time. The next is our instruction method, and that is how we are going to teach the skill. How and where are not the same thing. And that was one of the things that the teachers that I was working on that I told the story at the beginning, that was one of the things that I saw them really struggle with. I would ask, how are they doing this? How are you teaching this? And they would tell me where they were teaching it. How is what strategy or what curriculum you're going to use to actually instruct the skill? Data collection is what kind of data are you going to collect? how often and what tool you're going to use to take the data. 
Now, obviously, this is going to be affected by the mastery criteria in the IEP, as well as your staff availability and your classroom concerns. And I'll get to that in just a minute. If you're looking for how to set up a system of data collection in your classroom, I encourage you to go to this post at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 42. And there is a link there that you can grab a free webinar that will walk you through my beginning systems of data collection across the day. And finally, there's a section for materials and or notes. And this is really just a column that I use to write in what materials I need to make or get things that I need to remember. When I've done tips for distance learning or blended learning, it's also a great place to put in what are the supports that the family is going to need. Do they need a video model? Do they need some training on prompting? What are we going to need to supply to them to support the skill? Now, all of these things may change some as you move through the classroom design process. As you look at your schedule, you're going to see the need to adjust some primary activities that are going to be able to match up. Or you may find that the data collection strategy won't work well at the time that you had planned it because you're not going to have the staffing for that. So you're going to have to then go back and make sure that you can accommodate those goals and objectives in a different way. So the whole design process that I'm talking about in the series is definitely integrated. You're always going to be looping back. But if you start with the tip, you've got a strong plan that you can follow. So let me talk for just a minute about six ways that the tip can help you. The first is that the teaching implementation plan is an overview of the IEP. I'm not a big fan of the idea that I'm going to wait until my students come and then read their IEPs because I don't want to have any preconceived ideas. We are responsible for implementing the IEP from the moment the child walks in our classroom or gets on our caseload, whether they're in our classroom or not, whether they're at home, whether they're in gen ed, wherever. That means we need to know who they are. And in order to build good relationships with our families, I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable leaving my child with somebody who is like, oh, tell me about him. I don't know anything about him. I would find that concerning, especially in special ed. So an overview of the IEP is really, to me, one of the biggest advantages of doing the tip. When I get all the tips done for a classroom, because it's the first thing I do when I set up a classroom, I do all a tip on every single student. The more that you do it, I will also tell you, it gets easier. So it it takes a while to do it when you first get started, but as you do it, it becomes easier to drop the things in, just like all the rest of teaching. When I'm done, I know all the needs of the students in the class, and I have an idea about what types of strategies and activities they need to learn their goals. That way, while the classroom might change over time once the students start the year when I have to tweak it because something is is or isn't working, I start the year with a plan for every student, and then I just tweak that plan. Number two is that the tip helps you think through your instruction. It is becoming increasingly important, and especially as we have distance learning, it's going to be very important that we are able to both implement our teaching strategies and talk about them. The tip helps teachers to think through how they're going to be able to teach the student. Are you going to use discrete trials? Are you going to use the picture exchange communication system? Or maybe you're using the unique learning system lessons or another curriculum that has the teaching steps built into it. Our instruction for students in special education 
really needs to be explicit. And the tip really helps you plan out what that might look like. Next up, the tip assures data collection for each IEP goal and objective. And this is actually one of the things that I was looking for when I developed it. I find that this is one of the things that most people like about the tip. Once you've completed it, you know what data sheets to pull. You know how you're going to integrate the data collection into your schedule because you know where those primary times are going to be. And it makes sure that every goal and or objective is accounted for with data. So you're not caught by surprise at the end of the year finding that you've missed a goal. Another reason that I think it's a really important tool is that it assists with communication with staff. I talked about earlier that the tip is an outline for the classroom that an experienced teacher probably has in their head, but there's great value in putting that knowledge and that planning on paper. The primary advantage is that you can communicate with staff, and there are tons of reasons why I like the tip for communicating with the staff, really. There's like, I could go on for a whole episode. However, the most significant reason is that the staff doesn't know what skills you're planning to teach in specific activities, and they are responsible for teaching and supporting skill development. So if we're embedding our instruction into the activities of the day, we have to make sure that we're telling them what we expect. So it might seem like a natural strategy for you to embed requesting material into an activity because you know that you want the student to learn how to make requests. But that doesn't mean that other staff in the classroom know that that's what you're trying to teach. So they just give the student all the materials he needs because they don't know that that's part of why you're doing that activity. The tip tells them what you are focused on, and it helps them review the IEP in a way that's going to be implemented rather than just a legal document list of goals. So again, it's kind of like the shop documents for building a house versus the overall blueprint. The fifth reason is actually related to that, uh, and that's communicating with families. And I think that this reason is going to be hugely important in fall of 2020. If you're doing distance or blended learning, you're going to need to think about what skills the student is going to learn and how he's going to learn it outside of the classroom. If it's blended, what skills are you going to teach at school? And how are they going to be generalized or taught or reinforced at home? And it also helps families to see how you're going to implement the IEP in whatever environment you're in. So, therefore, it helps to build that trusting relationship. And I think going forward this fall, that might be one of the biggest reasons to use the tip. I think the families, because everything was so rushed and teachers did an amazing job, there was never any real expectation in most situations that we were going to hit on every IEP goal in the spring. We know that moving forward, we need to really make that happen. And if you can show a family how that's going to be done, I think that's going to go a long way to helping them have faith in this model that may be necessary. The final reason that I think the tip is important really relates to designing the classroom, which is it builds the schedule around the students. Uh, So once I have the tip done on each student, I know what activities need to be in my classroom. And I have an idea of how much time will be needed with different activities because I know how long can students can stay in a large group, how much large group versus small group instruction they need. 
it assures that the schedule that I develop is going to meet the needs of the students in the classroom this year. So that will bring us then to our next step in the series, which is developing the classroom schedule. And I'll be back next week with tips on how to develop the classroom schedule that works for all the students. And I'll share how to build a classroom schedule that embeds the instruction into the activities of the day. But in the meantime, if you're looking for more information about the teaching implementation plan or just want to get started on scheduling your classroom, you may want to check out my teaching implement, my teaching plan and scheduling classroom toolkit. Uh, you'll find a link for that at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 42. Or you may want to come to the Special Educator Academy where we have a whole class on setting up classrooms to maximize engagement. And that is really the details and the nitty gritty of how we do all these steps that I'm covering in the podcast. And if you come at the time I'm recording this, we are just starting a study group to go as a group through the course and talking about how we're going to adapt it, given that we may be doing distance blended or in-classroom instruction. So we're looking at what that's going to look like in terms of scheduling, in terms of physical space if we're back in the class, in terms of tip if we're doing distance learning and how we would make those those amendments. So if you'd like to check out that, there's a free seven-day trial at specialeducatoracademy.com. And I'll make sure both those links go in the show notes below. Thank you so much for joining me and spending this time with me. I know that this is a really crazy time and I am working very hard to make sure that you have tools that help you to navigate forward in this very strange and somewhat chaotic situation. Uh, And I really do know that your time is precious and I appreciate it. I hope you'll come back next week when we'll be talking about schedules. (laughs) 